welcome to the Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing Podcast with Three Bald Guys. Fred Peritsky of FCP Digital, Paul Schindel of Three Bears Communications, and freelance writer Rodney Warner. Thank you for joining us with episode 20 of Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing. My name is Rodney Warner. I'm a freelance commercial writer. Fred Peritsky, FCP Digital, full service digital marketing agency in Richboro, Pennsylvania, and ultimately downtown Philly when I can get back in my office. And Paul Schindel, Three Bears Advertising, Marketing, Communications, Princeton, and the world. Welcoming today, Paul Cerna, who is the president and chief cook and bottle washer at Kickstart <laughs> Mailing in Princeton. Paul, w- welcome. Thank you. I've known you, I, I was just uh, saying to the guys, I think I've known you about 29 years, if I recall, because you and I connected regarding doing direct mail for the Princeton Center for Yoga and Health. Wow, you're bringing back memories. <laughs> and The newspaper. And, Yes. It's been a long time. And between us, we put a lot of stuff in the mail. Tell us, what does a mail house do? And why can't, you know, why can't I do that myself with maybe, I don't know, labels and stamps? Well, I suppose you could, but um, that would be in self-inflicting pain. (laughs) Um, (laughs) First of all, it costs uh, $440 just to open up a permit at the post office and probably about a week to figure out that you have to do that. There's a many, many facet way to save yourself in postage. So depending on the nature of your organization, you can cut the postage down as much as five to one. So that postage is 11 cents versus the 55 cents versus the dollar for a large sheet of paper. So that whole range of potential things is advice you wanna receive so you don't accidentally go over such and such size by a quarter inch. So that, that consulting part is just decades of either knowing or making a mistake and learning. <laughs> I, um, you know, I have to tell everybody listening to this today that Postal Manual is a, well, I don't know what form it's in aside from digital these days, but in, in its day, it was the size of the Manhattan phone book and pretty much printed on that same paper hundreds and hundreds of pages of technical regulations by the post office. It's a terrible, uh, it's a terrible <laughs> thing to have to deal with. And thank goodness there are people like, like Paul at Kickstart who know that stuff and know how to thread the needle of all the postal regulations, not the least of which is the, the many different ways that the post office wants you to automate mail so that it's easier for them. You're pre-sorting, you're barcoding, you're doing all kinds of work for the post office and doing um, at, a, at a cost that if you were to do it yourself would be insane, especially if you're talking about hundreds or more likely thousands of pieces of mail. Yeah, generally dollar for dollar, it's just less work because the postage reduction is greater than the cost you would incur to go get it done outside your office. So it makes complete financial sense straight away, plus it'll turn around more quickly. Paul, where do you see, um, like if you could segment your 
customers? Like what, what type of customers do you service? Which ones, you know, hold a big percentage of the mailing? I used to be um, controller for a, a publishing group. So I'm a little bit familiar with the arcane publishing with the, uh, the mailing uh, laws from years ago. And it was ridiculous. And I also uh, ran a synagogue and we did a week, a monthly newsletter, the same kind of thing trying to deal with that. So I give you a lot of credit for being in that business. But who's, who's mailing through you today? I would say the most consistent clientele base would be the nonprofit sector because the first thing that comes to mind is the postage reduction is so much, you know, by 40 cents out of 55 kind of thing or less. So, so that's a first class postage is 55 cents these days? Yes, 55 cents for a regular letter. And for a nonprofit, it goes, it can go down to around 11 cents a piece. Wow, um, a big difference. Or lower, yeah. And, and uh, you can still have a stamp on it and that sort of thing. You can go up to 3.5 ounces, yeah, it'll still be the lower cost. Um, so if your piece is, is larger, heavier, well, I'm getting into the possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> As I, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, is that whole conversation of what do you like, what would you want, what are my options, that's a very good reason why you'd want to have this done as opposed to a prohibitory reason why you shouldn't have somebody take care of it for you. Mm -hmm. But there's more available to you. But to, to answer your question again, it's the nonprofits. I would say uh, comp startup companies are the ones doing it the least. But the the fundraisers, direct mail solicitations, whether it be a nonprofit or not, have been the most consistent. And then uh, I'd say after that would be the, the postcard mailers. So local shops that send a here's a sale, come come see us um, kind of announcements. That's very popular and consistently repeating. So what do you say, Paul, to, to people who, um, who say, for starters, given that we're in the middle of a pandemic, what do you say to people who say, I don't touch my mail or I you know, leave it in the mailbox for 24 hours? Is the mail safe? Yes, I would say so, um, because <laughs> we have a benefit for the post office taking their time getting some things delivered. So there's there's... There's a bit of time during processing. Um, plus, it's not handled in the post office, especially nowadays. Everybody needs to wear gloves there. But aside from that, it's, it's, it's handled in bulk. When we handle it, we stack it inside trays. They just pick up the whole tray of 1,000 pieces of mail, put it on a conveyor, and then the machines take it from there. So it doesn't actually get handled individually. And then they, get, they automatically go into sorters, and then each carrier doesn't touch it until they're uh, putting it into the mailbox, but even then they have gloves on. So taking it out of out of the the health realm and into the personal habit realm, it's still more expensive to put a put a piece of paper in the mail than it is to send an email. How do you respond to people who who say that to you? So why should I mail a postcard or a letter or a you know catalog or something? Um, because you make more money off it. <laughs> Statistically, the, the response rate is something of the order of 4% uh, to maybe a thousandth of a percent on email, um, partly because the emails can be sent out so much more at once. But the, the, the response rate, I, I suspect, is uh, so much higher with direct mail because just receiving a piece of mail says that it's not spam. It says it's, it's someone local 
and safer from that perspective. The day-to-day -day routine, it's part of your personal routine typically. You go home, you check your mail, and as you're checking your mail, you're just walking across the lawn, sort of unwinding from the day versus you wake up in the morning, you go to work, you go through your e emails. Maybe you have to do that before you went to sleep, but you're, you're scanning through it and then you're trying to figure out which one will blow up your computer or not. Then you delete those. Um, your computer already figured out which ones you don't want to see. And so there's a automatic spam. So a lot of emails for marketing simply don't get through. What about kind of a share of eyeballs thing? You know, my impression has always been that if you can get it, you know, if you're delivering a piece of mail, you're, you're buying that person's eyeballs for a longer period of time than you are, for example, with an email that, you know, that they aren't interested in or something. And you have the potential, you know, and you've got that physical tactile experience of, of connecting right. with, you know, the piece. Right. Well, we are, we are tactile beasts. That's for sure. When you have more senses engaged, you're now you feel the roughness or lack of roughness of the mail piece, you have to open it so you have to get a paper cut and you will remember that envelope. <laughs> but, um, but that is how you remember. And if you want to go overboard, you remember those sniff and scratch and sniff pieces? That was the logic behind it. <laughs> if, you, if you look at it in terms of getting a message across, as opposed to the length of time the eyeballs actually see it, it's much more efficient because as you walk across the lawn, you get the message without wasting the person's time. They don't have to figure out how to get into an email or even whether they should. And that, during that time, there's no message. If, there, if, the, if you take all 10 seconds to receive the message as you are opening or reading the mail, then the decision is made at that point whether, return, whether to retain it by putting it on the fridge and then it sits there until a later time. Uh, whereas email, will stay there but get lost or you won't be visually reminded of it. And, and the card is much more colorful to remember by. Do clients come to you with a box of postcards or whatever it may be and say, mail these and give you a list in Excel? Or do they come to you and say, I want to reach my audience. How do I do that? How do you, you know, how does that piece of your business work? Well, I would say the answer is all the above. They come in at all those levels. I would say the persons who are least familiar with the process come in asking for, how do I reach these people? Can you reach only the people within a 30-story apartment building? Um, or can you reach people by whether they're guys or gals, how much money they make? Um, any kind of demographics you like, and that's pretty much the answer to that question. You can have any set of demographics that you like. What about creation of the actual mailer? That usually comes in from a designer like yourself or a printer who, actually the most common thing now that I think of it, is the printer will, will come in before they print and have me review the design for postal accuracy, whether the layout is correct or not. So then it turns around and then they take the designer's work, print it up, and then, then they give us the physical mail. But usually it's, it's designed before we uh, touch it. We see it for a quick review, but we don't, we don't do the design itself. That would be your masterpiece that 
I've, 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 I've done a few of those and, and I do, you know, a heads up to all the people out there who are thinking about this before you put ink on paper, run the, run the piece by kickstart because the difference of a quarter inch in the size of your, you know, mailing or the difference of which way you fold it could cost you more in postage. And Paul knows how to save that postage for you. So Paul, I just want to clarify. So do you also have these mailing lists that if I say, okay, I want everybody, I want to send something to everybody in Bucks County who makes $100,000 or more. Could you generate that list? Within five minutes, yes. One of the Pauls can, can answer this question. If I decide to go with mailing, you know, to spend my, my marketing advertising dollars, what are the ways that can increase the likelihood of it getting opened? Because so many times, in my experience, I'm just flipping through them. I'm just, you know, I'm tossing them. Yeah, we'll keep this one. We'll toss that one. You know, what are ways to get people to open your piece? Well, one way, the expensive route, if you will, is send it first class. People receive all legal and financial documents as first class. That's, that's one of the ways to screen your mail. And so people open up first class mail earliest. Another way is to have the message on the envelope already. And someone who's good with words and designs of envelopes can communicate in lovely ways. And so that would give somebody reason to open up the envelope. So uh, that's, that's another way. Uh, just using a postcard where you don't need to have it opened at all. The message is there as you look to see if your name is on it. And um, that, that has its other advantages of, of being a little bit cheaper. And, uh, I, would add to, I would add to that that there are production techniques, uh, some of which are pretty expensive, that can um, improve response. And rather than try and describe that, um, I would simply say that people who have received a credit card offer from, uh, for example, Amex, um, those things tend to have tactile, they, they have a finish on them that's kind of soft. Um, it feels different than just a plain old envelope. It sometimes has a certain bulk to it. Sometimes just using a better quality of paper is a great way to get someone to open your, your uh, direct mail piece. You know, some of the things I've, I've seen in direct mail is it's kind of disguised. When you look at the envelope, it kind of looks like one thing and you open it up and it's completely different or it's, it tries to make itself look like a government envelope or, or, you know, something like that. I mean, a, f a FedEx package, you know, I, I assume that must work to some degree or people wouldn't be doing that. I mean, obviously that right. sounds like a bad idea to me, but. Agreed, but I shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 maybe, maybe because I'm hyper aware of, of the industry, but when somebody's duping me or trying to dupe me, it annoys me. So that's my probably more personal, hypersensitized to people's approaches. Um, I, I, I believe in just straightforward Here's your message. Maybe because I work with a lot of nonprofits, that mm -hmm. that is the most attractive element to these organizations. 
You know, I would point out two things about that. One is I think Rod, we've all seen that envelope that Rodney's talking about that looks like official government, blah, blah, that is not. And that's a problem, you know, now in a political context regarding uh, voting by mail um, or and the census, because those are both things that are very important for people to do that happen by mail. And all that crap out there that is, you know, trying to fake it is working against the, the public interest. So, Paul, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned nonprofits. Yes. Are there any other industries that mailings are especially good for? I would say um, retailers that can take advantage of a card where you walk in with a card um, for a particular sale so that the active element becomes the card. Um, other, let's see, well, magazines are no longer pretty much happening um, physically. Except what about for education, Paul? You, you will see um, advertising like um, the schools will send out, but there are invitations to events. That, that happens quite a bit, actually. Uh, event-oriented, deadlined types of mailings where we're letting you know that the event is coming up. Um, and then a follow-up mailing to let to, to get an RSVP. Um, so, so deadline kind of events or mailings that are actual interests to them, to the recipients, has been commonplace. Since I've um, in marketing for the last uh, seven or eight years, and I do have the past experience with with the publications, I read every every direct mail piece that comes to me whether I'm interested or not, just to see what people are doing. And as a digital marketer, on the one hand, and don't take this the wrong way, I used to always look down upon direct mail. Why are people doing that when there's so many quicker, easier um, ways to do it? However, uh, I've come to see that for certain businesses, the direct mail approach is really, really important. I've even thought about it for myself, but then I'm not sure that somebody getting a piece of mail by a web designer, number one would say to them, why is a web designer sending me mail and what kind of response would it would get? So well, what do you, do you think? You know, I got to interrupt you there, Fred, because yeah. I receive um, at least two emails a day from someone who is a web developer. I get with, more than, yeah. You know, we can, we can give you the best web or the best traffic or whatever right. it might be. Right. Um, so, right. you know, the flip side of that is to reach out to people in a way they don't expect and have them, you know, and have them say, oh, you know, here's a, here's a web developer, you know, and I've seen that website or I recognize that name. That, that could be a very mm -hmm. effective channel. That's why I've been thinking of, of doing that. I get all those emails also from so-called web designers. There's some scam involved. I'm not sure really what that is. I definitely will talk to both Pauls later. In my BNI chapter, there's a guy from Minuteman Press, and he's always talking about these mailers that they're doing with multi-companies on it. And it does seem interesting. I always thought it was for you know, direct-to-consumer type of businesses like a realtor, yeah. a, a big one that I see a lot are companies that do blacktop and 
driveways and home improvement. Well, right, right. The, the business to consumer has been a steady area, but realtors is another across the board um, industry that has not stopped doing mailings. Right. The mailing that you're talking about, Fred, which is often a, a Val pack or a money mailer kind of thing or a B2B equivalent of that is sometimes called a co-op mailer mm-hmm. where basically just putting a lot of stuff into an envelope, right. the, the open rates and, and um, you know, actual use rates on those things are pretty small except for, and, and you have to be in them 12 times a year because Right now, your driveway doesn't need blacktop. Right. But by the end of the summer, you may, and you just need to be in people's faces. And um, so we'll talk strategy um, <laughs> offline further about your direct mail piece. But, you know, in a, in a crass commercial sense, let me say Free Bears is happy to discuss our direct mail strategy with, <laughs> with anyone and to work with Paul from Kickstart doing that. So, Paul uh, Cerna, do you get involved with the strategy, or or do, do people do more people come to you at the point where they're ready to mail it, and is there a percentage that come to you before, like Paul Schindel was saying before, to make sure that the mailing is done properly to get the best cost, and also to make sure that it doesn't violate things? Because I would assume it used to be years ago, and I don't know if this is true now certain things that a nonprofit wanted to send, especially a church or synagogue, weren't allowed to be sent. Like if they did something that's sort of like a lottery. To answer your question, I would say they come in uh, at all those levels, strategic and otherwise. But I would, I would say the more experienced the person, the less they come to me for strategy because they're well aware of various strategies. Re, uh, resellers like printers, who have, have us taking care of printing, uh, not their printing, but the, uh, the mailing after they've already printed it, they, they always have me take a look at it before it goes to press. But usually the strategy's already decided upon between them and the client. Okay. Since it, the newer the client to mailing, the strategy gets discussed, especially when it involves lists. The selection of lists is the most important, probably mm-hmm. the most difficult uh, step because it takes so much more analysis and it takes so much more of an understanding of their business. So there's a, a querying phase, if you will, um, where in order to make any kind of judgment, I, I need to understand your business and what your objectives are. Um, so it, it depends on the amount of experience the client has. I'd say that's the correlation. The less experience, the more strategic the conversation becomes. It seems to me the most, if not the most valuable thing is the mailing list. I mean, as, as great as it is to, to save a lot of money on the postage, if a company needs to reach certain people doing certain things, I mean, that, that mailing list is, is gold, essentially, or potential gold. You, you just entered the conversation with somebody who is new to it, so to speak, about three conversations and they realize that they can cut down the list by 70% and then all of a sudden it's a 4% response because they've eliminated so many people who they figured out wouldn't be able to use their services or wouldn't want them. And so, yes, the targeting ability is far, far greater. 
because of the demographic profiles that are out there. It's that valuable information that's, that's the cake. Actually getting the stuff in the mail, that's kind of the frosting. So it's really, it's the access and the information that you have that you're really selling and, and the, the actually getting it in the mail, that's, that's, that's almost like a, like, a, like a secondary thing. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. When a customer comes to you, let's say I came and said, I, I, I want a mailing list like Rodney had said before, people in Bucks County earning 100000 that own a computer, things like that. Do I rent that list? I don't own that list. Correct. Okay. You can use it multiple times throughout the year. The agreement with the list house that actually maintains those lists is uh, you pay twice and then you can use it for the rest of the year. That's the standard agreement. But, but you do, anyone who responds to the mailing, you, you do own that, that Oh, absolutely. Any, any kind of interaction with the direct client, with the, right. you know, with the client um, would be. So sort of answering your previous question, most, uh, most people have their own in-house lists to work with. So maybe because they're the most regular clients as well, but they're, that is usually the case because their list has already been uh, filtered out and are the most effective people to, re to reach out to former clients or current clients. When you're trying to get new customers, you're trying to get new clients, what's the biggest objection that you hear? And I'm also curious, you know, what is it that seals the deal when somebody agrees to your service? What, what's the most important thing that you provide that actually gets them to, to pay for your services? I would say the reduction in postage because it, it's a black hole as well as a... <laughs> basically saying is, is um, just not if they do it themselves they wouldn't be able to get the postage rates and so they they quickly realize too that it costs four or five hundred dollars in order just to set themselves up at the post office but it, the cost effectiveness is is almost always there because the postage savings itself pays more than the cost of our services and, and it's also the time when I was um, executive director of two synagogues for a long time one of them had used the mailing house always, especially for the, the monthly newsletter. The last one that I was at for about seven years also, when I first got there, the staff every month would bag all of the, all of the newsletters by zip code. And the first time I saw this, there's like five people putting <laughs> newsletters in bags because they thought they were saving money. I contacted a mailing house and the cost of doing what they were doing was so inexpensive and, and more effective that I said, we're not doing this anymore. Yeah, right. you, you, save then, on, you save on postage and you save on labor of people who, you know, who have jobs to do or volunteer, even volunteers volunteer who, time. who would be better, um, you know, of more value to the organization you know, um, whether it's decorating the social hall <laughs> or, um, you know, or pulling up weeds or contacting people about programs or raising rather, money, you know, getting, sticking yeah. stamps and, and labels and all that kind stamps of Stamps and labels. I would tell anybody, if, if you're doing this type of thing, definitely contact Paul Cerner because you don't want to be putting on labels and stamps and putting them 
by zip code and then by uh, it's it's such a waste of time and the cost is astronomical compared to paying a mailing house it's probably from what i saw and this is like it's been like eight years now i would think that it's probably like four or five times more expensive than using a mailing house by doing trying to do it yourself not even including the reduced postage cost is it still true and i think it i think this was true before does the post man or woman still have their prerogative as to when they deliver third class mail because they're the ones they get it and they don't have to do it today they could do it tomorrow if they have a lot of mail i know it used to be like that yes they have the prerogative the official prerogative is up to two weeks it depends is the answer <laughs> but um certain types of mail you absolutely must turn around without hesitation, namely political mailings and periodicals, which is magazines like National Geographic. First class mail is two to three days, but that is relative to other uh, mailings, other mail. It has to be done first, as opposed to done by tomorrow. So once the first mail is, first class mail is out, then the standard mail, also called third class mail, is uh, then processed. Local mail, where you're delivering to and from the same basic area, that being defined as Central Jersey versus North Jersey versus South Jersey, you know, those three different segments in the case of Jersey, those get delivered um, the next day, not because they have to, just accept that they have to clear the space for tomorrow's mail. So they have to get rid of stuff so they can receive stuff. And from a strategic standpoint, that's one of the things we talk about early on, is when do you want this mail to hit? And if you have right. enough lead time, you, you can save the additional money by mailing standard rate. Um, if you're on a short timeline, you, you, know, you mail first class. But even the first class, it's important to point out that while a first class stamp is 55 cents, when it's handled by Kickstarter, it can go down to about 35 cents or so, depending on the list and variables because of the sorting and the mail management that, that Paul does. Right, it, 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 it saves you in all those circumstances, especially if it's off by that quarter inch that puts it into the next category of mail. Then, oops, now the mail is a buck minus 15 cents. <laughs> and. Um, that can hurt. On the note of uh, time that's, that came up a couple times, but that, that's another cost that uh, is implicit as to why you want to outsource it. You have so much more control of uh, production time. Mail houses can turn things around in a couple days if they really have to. And then they also know how to get it into the system and also deliver it for the system if need be to more ensure that the mail gets delivered in timely fashion. If you just put it into the mailbox, it will sit more before it gets into the system. The mail house will put it into the system straight away. Paul, how many pieces of mail do you put into the system in a year, roughly? 400,000, half million, 600,000, somewhere around there. That used to be one job over a year's time. <laughs> Where each one was, you know, the jobs I'm thinking of were 100,000 to a quarter million pieces each wow. on a quarterly basis. And they, those large runs uh, simply went online, um, especially because they were international mailings and the postage was absurd for international mailings. So that really encouraged them to go online 
So let's say I decide, okay, I'm going to do direct mail. Yes. What would you say are the top three things I need to do or what needs to get done in order to make it a success? You need to know your timeline. You need to know or define your target audience. A budget, of course, is needed. And um, basically knowing what you want in terms of a response. That will determine how far you go with uh, numbers of pieces, um, complexity of design, and that sort of thing. So knowing what you want to get out of it is probably the most important thing, and that has all these other implications. In it. Then we can get into things like which list do I get? Well, we need all those other variables answered in order to do that. Okay, Fred, what's your takeaway? My takeaway is that if you're going to do direct mail, which I, I always do think that it's an important part of a marketing plan for certain businesses to have a direct mail piece, definitely have to go to somebody like Paul and Kickstart and not think you can do it yourself. It's one of those things like a website or uh, writing or blog or painting your house that really requires the work of a professional to get the right job. We could all get the job done, but it won't be done correctly like, like it would if Paul is handling it. How about you, Paul Shindell? What's, what's your takeaway? Two takeaways. One is that um, direct mail is and can always be a highly effective way of reaching the right people with the right message at the right time. And the second takeaway is that if you handle your mail yourself, you're crazy. My takeaway is, you know, it's, it seems to me that it's, it's the mailing list because, you know, a business can really waste so much time trying to generate its own mailing list and try to generate, go through LinkedIn for God knows how many hours or try to generate a contact list. I mean, I mean actually, it's an interesting point you're making because with that, um, whether you realize it or not, you're also saying you have control of who you're sending it to. And that is something you just don't have as deeply defined in email or other forms where it's a, a billboard or something to that effect. But the control down to the last person really that you mail to. And so you can categorically reduce your costs just by um, reducing the selectivity that you're choosing to use. So you control your recipients uh, that you're sending to, as well as how many you want to send out. So, Paul, um, how do people reach you? They call us up on uh, 609-919-1980. <laughs> right. What was that phone number again, Paul? 609-919-1980. That's a great number, too. It was a good year. <laughs> All right. Okay, Paul. Well, you know, we really thank you for your time. This has really been interesting. It's, you know, it's a, it's a way to get your message out that I think many of us have overlooked because we're so glued to our, uh, our computers. And, and we thank you for your time. So uh, signing off, this is uh, Rodney Warner, uh, freelance commercial writer. You can check me out at rodneywarner.com. Met. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Paul, thank you very much. This is Fred Peritsky on our FCP Digital, full service digital marketing agency specializing in WordPress website design, among other things, in Richboro, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and like Paul Shindell says, and the world. You can reach me at 
fcpdigital.com. Email me at fred at fcpdigital.com or give me a call at 215-867-8617. Fred also has a telegraph number and if you email him, he'll tell you that. Um, and I am Paul Schindel, Three Bears, Advertising, Marketing, Communications, threebears.com. If you want to talk about direct mail, I recommend them. Reach out to Paul and Paul. Thank you. Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you. Go go ahead, Fred. I want to ask a question. This might be silly. I don't know the answer to this. It's been a long time since I was involved. So if you're in Pennsylvania and you're mailing something to all kinds of places, does your mailing have to be mailed from like your place of residence or is that or can it be mailed from anywhere? It could be mailed from anywhere. It's cheaper if you get closer to the destination. You're, I, Fred, are you talking about a bulk mailing? And yeah, bulk mailing. So yeah. you, you need a permit number to do that, right? To do it. Well, I, I can provide it to you at no cost, which is um, one way of saving the money, 440 bucks to start it yourself. On that note, Thank you, uh, gentlemen, for uh, today's episode, and thank you to the listeners. Please stay tuned. There's 20 down. God knows how many more to go. As far as our episodes, uh, please subscribe. And until next time, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us at the Three Bald Guys Talk Marketing Podcast. Please join us again next time. Check out our website at three, the number three, baldguyspodcast.com. Until next time, may the good marketing be yours. <laughs>